Deep in the imagination, there's a crossroads, a space where curiosity and inspiration intersect and give birth to ideas. A space where music, science fiction, comic books, and pop culture inform the mind of what is and what could be. This is Jeff Boucher's Mind Space. In each episode, legendary journalist Jeff Boucher welcomes the biggest names in genre entertainment for an expansive dive into all things pop culture. Journey with Jeff as he explores the latest news and recommendations of the hottest releases across entertainment with his most trusted confidants. You are now entering deep space. Heavy Metal presents Jeff Boucher's Mind Space. Happy holidays. Welcome back to Mind Space. Uh, this is your host, Jeff Boucher, and I'm here with Evan Kopp, our producer. How are you, Evan? Good, Jeff. How are you? I hope you had a good uh, Christmas. I did. Thank you very much, and thank you for the tequila. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you know what? I'm going to enjoy the show today because um, we have an old friend with us today, uh, a pal of mine, who I haven't talked to that often um, recently. But uh, he and I really kind of hit it off when we first met. Uh, it's the actor. Uh, do you know who it is today? I do. Um, it is Eddie McClintock. And I know you've had quite a few run-ins with him. But before this interview, you had talked to him and Gerard Way together on a panel. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. You know, I did a podcast before. Uh, and it was called Humans from Earth. And uh it uh, was a lot like this one, except I did it in front of a live audience, which was kind of fun, uh, about 80 people. And um, uh, one of the episodes was Eddie with another good pal, Gerard Way, who's the, uh, as many people know, is the creator of Umbrella Academy for Dark Horse Comics and winner of the Eisner Award for comics, and just happens to also be, you know, the front man for a major platinum <laughs> rock and roll recording um, mega band, uh, My Chemical Romance, which is uh, reconstituted now. Um, they had broken up for a while, but uh, when I saw Eddie last is when uh, I interviewed him together with Gerard, and it was great because they did not know each other, and they have nothing in common, really, and their personalities are very uh, jaggedly different. Yeah, and I, I, I heard that they had a good time together, and both of them were surprised by the other person. So it's very cool it was fantastic it, it was like a uh it was like a comedy act it, 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 <laughs> i can't believe how smoothly it went and uh i would love to do that again have two guests that come that don't know who the other guest is and they just kind of you know take a leap like that but it, it would be very hard to sustain that people don't really like surprises when there's uh people recording them <laughs> yeah maybe we can reunite the beatles it'd be great it'd be great you know um uh, i think that's a terrific idea and yeah, you know, so, you know, Eddie, of course, is best known, I think, um, for Warehouse 13. Uh, and he was the co-star of that play, an FBI agent who's uh, retrieving, protecting uh, items of supernatural origin or um, other worldly capabilities. And uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, and a big success for sci-fi and a big success for Eddie. He also has a, uh, a hobby of sorts that he does on the side, which is he's an artist and does album art for some notable bands uh, and uh, among them Pussifer, which is uh, the band uh, 
it's Maynard from Tool, his side project. So uh, a man of many talents that he is. I read somewhere that it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark, X-Files, and Moonlighting all together in one. Yeah, you know, that's a pretty good description because it's got the uh, um, unrequited sexual tension between the, the principles, uh, you know, like Moonlighting uh, and, you know, Indiana Jones, of course, you know, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark famously ends with the warehouse scene, which I think directly inspired the, the premise. Uh, so it has a bit of that. And then the FBI agent, you know, kind of speaks to Mulder and Scully, uh, Quantico sci-fi detail. Yeah. And, uh, you know, more recently, he's been he's been doing more action stuff, which uh, actually tees up what we were going to talk to him about today, which is uh, fight scenes. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that uh, you need to learn to do in Hollywood, um, if you want to be a, a television or film star, is you need to either take a punch or throw a punch. And, and I'm not even talking about the dealings with your agent. I'm talking about on screen. <laughs> um, and uh, Eddie has uh, been immersed in that world for quite a while. So he knows kind of the ins and outs. And I wanted to talk to him about the, uh, you know, some of our favorite fight scenes that we've seen through the years. And and what makes a good fight scene and and then maybe some of his experiences about uh uh you know learning the tricks of the trade and also just uh trying to make sure that you look cool doing it i remember ryan reynolds told me once that his his job really was to look like a guy that knew how to kiss a girl and throw a punch you know so uh, i always thought that was a pretty good summary of the job yeah yeah that's uh, that's the uh the present day action star checklist. Well, that's true about Ryan Reynolds, but you know what, who one of my favorite people that always is in fight scenes is? Who's that? Seth Rogen, who isn't necessarily someone you'd think of as a action star, but you know, he and James Franco did a lot of their own stunts for Pineapple Express. And in a lot of the movies that he writes and is in, there's always a fight scene and it's always ridiculous and over the top. Yeah, absolutely. I know with like, uh... With Green Hornet, he had like a really substantial budget as well. You know, I mean, that, he he definitely wanted to present himself on screen as a superhero, and uh, even though that it has like you know kind of the undercurrents of being a parody or satire, but it's uh, uh, yeah, I know he takes pride in making sure that his movies have a lot of impact and and that he gets thrown around a good good amount of, of screen time. Yeah. And speaking of Green Hornet, that was the first time I remember seeing Christoph Waltz in something. Not in oh, really? Bastards. Yeah, but it was uh, Green Hornet. So, yeah. Well, I think that's, I think Inglorious Bastards was before that. Yeah, I know. But I, I, I can't remember how old I was when that came out. But, anyways, I had yeah, seen Green yeah. Hornet before I saw Inglorious Bastards. So that was my first he, impression. He was such a revelation, you know, in Inglorious Bastards. And then um, uh, I think a lot of people were, you know, curious to see how he would find roles that, fit him and that uh you know would be able to sustain that kind of spotlight you know um, mm -hmm. and it was tough but he found things like you know big eyes which i think you know a lot of people didn't see coming and and then of course working with tarantino on django and um uh and then green hornet he's the the bad guy in that film um and it's a you know it, it's a it's a movie i have mixed feelings about because i love the original character you know um mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I like green. I'd like to see a Green Hornet movie where it's not done for laughs, you know, like I, where it's actually kind of serious. And it's also hard to see him in a movie that has green in the title without thinking that it's going to be like just Cheech and Chong, you know, 
uh, go to Gotham City. So. Yeah, definitely. But uh, he's had a ton of success, and he's done some really good stuff. And uh, he's like the hardest working guy in showbiz. But uh, oh yeah, and he continues to do more and more every year. But I tell you, in a fight, I think I'd take Eddie over uh, Seth because Eddie's got the background of uh, you know he was a high school wrestler and college uh, and, and college, and uh, I think that would give him the upper hand. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see what he talks about. Um, I'm sure he has a lot of knowledge in that. I know he had a great fight scene with Ryan Felipe in that new show Shooter that he was on for a season. And exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the uh, the exact uh, reason that uh, it popped in my head that this might be a good topic mm -hmm. to uh, kind of give us something to chew on while we catch up. For sure. Well, unless you have anything else, I think we can get to the interview. No, it sounds good. And I'll see you on the other side. All right. Sounds good. Today here at Mindspace is something special. It is uh, Eddie McClintock is here. And Eddie McClintock is a good pal. It's good to see you. It's good to talk to you, Eddie. How are you? Good. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for having me, young man. Uh, you know, I thought today what we would do is uh, kind of a themed episode, but it doesn't have to be a hard, fast, uh, rigid themed episode, but uh, it occurred to me that we could have our own fight club today. We could have, we could, and the first rule of fight club is that we talk about fights. Right. I know that breaks the old rule of fight club, but it's a new club. It's, an, it's 2020, all bets are off. Oh, hell, ain't that the truth. Uh, and I, do we I have- tend, I tend to free associate anyway, so I'm sure it'll go uh, many places that people <laughs> weren't expecting. That's how we like it. That's how we like it. We, uh, I tell people, I want the show to be more like Miles Davis than John Philip Sousa. Oh, there you go. Give me jazz all day. Structured. Yeah, you could keep that marching band shit. Uh, <laughs> keep yeah. that moving right along. <laughs> I never liked parades. I'm like the only person. I just don't get it. I love a parade. You may not like, you may not love parades, but I'm damn sure you love Ethel Merman. Oh, I every, love a parade. I love her in every way a man can. That's right. Do you remember her in Airplane? That was the best cameo ever. Really? In a hospital? Oh, that poor, uh, that poor son of a bitch. He thinks he's Ethel Merman. Oh, I, I guess. I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, That's the, things we, the things we remember and, and hold on to, you know? Thank yeah, exactly. So now, and you're you you've been a good guy on TV. You've been a uh, uh, a guy that uh, brings law and order to the world of the supernatural and to the world of uh, the uncommon. Uh, and you you had to throw some punches along the way. Yeah. Uh, and I know in your personal background, in addition to being a, uh, a television star, you have also you were a wrestler in high school. Is that right? Yes, and college. And college. Yeah. And your dad coached, if I recall. My dad was uh, never really a coach, no. Okay, I, mis I misremembered. No, but, um, you know, he was my life coach, so. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. I just remembered the, you talking about the lessons learned and stuff. Uh, oh, well, yeah, big time. I mean, my dad... My dad wrestled in high school and then played college football. So, okay, um, you know he uh, he never missed he never missed any of my stuff. You know, it's like one of the reasons that I 
love my dad so so much you know he just was so supportive and and uh basically raised me by himself so he's he's my he's my main man well that's awesome um uh, that's a very nice uh, uh way to reflect on it so i'm wondering getting back to the fighting because that's what i want to do today was fight club did you did your wrestling background help you when you got to hollywood with any of the physicality any of the the stunt work or the fighting stuff, or is it just apples and oranges? No, nothing there that uh, really. No, I think so. I, I, um, I wasn't afraid of. Uh, I, I was never afraid of getting hurt. You know, huh. and I think that had a lot to do with football. My mindset in football, my mindset in wrestling. Like I, I knew I was able to control my body and yeah. do things with my body and fall in ways that um, I would be able to protect myself. So, uh, and I always wanted to, I, whenever I did a fight and they, they were like, you know, we could do stunt man for this. You know, I I wanted it. You can always tell, you know, like you can always tell that it's somebody else. Most of the time you just, I don't know what it is or or if it's just that I can tell because I'm always looking, you know, Right. Oh, so I always wanted people to go, hey, you know, this guy's committed to to his to his work and and to doing all of it, and and so I tried to do, you know, I guess I I I didn't start really fighting on screen until Warehouse 13, but after that I did, you know, quite a few things that uh, Shooter I had. Oh yeah, I had a really epic. Uh, a really epic uh, fight with Ryan Philippi and Shooter, and man, it was it was gnarly and gosh, so much fun. And uh, and then I I had to do some stuff in uh, Castle when I did a, I did an episode of Castle, and you know I wound up just real all bruised to shit because I oh no kidding I uh, yeah the in in this episode my my girl um, my my former wife i because i played um a guy that uh castles uh stana stana's character got got drunk and they got married in vegas and and cast she and castle were supposed to get married and um they had never she had never gotten divorced officially from this like quick quickie wedding in vegas so uh, anyway, my girlfriend kind of beats me up in the bar and I throw myself over the tables and I did all this stuff. You know, I want it to look epic, man. I want it to look real. Uh, and uh, so I, <laughs> I, I beat the shit out of myself. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know, that's not a show that you, I necessarily think of even having fight scenes. So that's kind of cool that you uh, did that because yeah. I'm sure it uh, jumped off the screen at people. They're not used to it on that show. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. You know, I mean... And then um, with the the shooter fight, uh, give us a little scenario there. What uh, what it was like for you, and, and how long did it take to shoot it? Uh, probably the better part, you know, with blocking and rehearsal and making sure everything was where it was supposed to be, and you know, like there's a part where uh, I stab right. What what I love about uh, fight scenes when to me when they're shot correctly is what what Hollywood gets wrong a lot of times is that that it's too neat you know it's too clean 
-hmm. and and uh, uh, fighting life or death fighting is uh, frantic and it's sloppy and it's ugly, you know. And and there are no there are no rules, you know. There's biting and eye gouging. I mean, you know, when it's life or death, right? All bets are off. So um, that's kind of Ryan and I, and Ryan agreed. And so we, you know, there's, I think there's a, there's a part where I'm, you know, I stick both of my thumbs into his eyes. I stab him in the back with a pencil. Um, I, I tear out a, a cord from the, the light that's, and I, you know, I go to, strangling with the light cord i mean anything that's available to you is fair game and that's what i uh that's what i really loved about this fight scene you know i mean we both we did we both like came out of it you know pretty beat up you know i mean it's uh, it's kind of like saying um uh, wwe is or wwf or whatever it's called out is is fake you know i mean yeah the the, the winner is determined but they're still they're still beating the dog shit out of each other, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it took probably a good half a day to to, to shoot that scene. You know, the, as you're talking about like uh, the messiness of it, uh, I, I totally agree with you. For years and years, Hollywood fight scenes were very antiseptic, very uh, obviously choreographed, and and uh, and sometimes not even. Uh, well executed, but uh, it seems like we kind of uh, hit a renaissance for fight fight scenes in movies in in more recent decades. You know, I mean, of course, there's the the big martial arts films in the '60s and '70s, late '60s and '70s, which really changed things with Bruce Lee and uh, Jackie Chan coming on the scene as well. But then I was thinking more specifically of in recent years with like the Jason Bourne movies, or you know, uh, even more recent than that, the uh, uh, John Wick yeah. movies, yeah. like just the uh, the kind of the violent velocity and uh, close quarters mayhem. Yes, that that yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, uh, to me, that's the, the energy of a of a fight. And what what really uh, the fight scene that really changed things for me um, was uh, the scene from Private Ryan um up uh you know when they were they were up in that they were upstairs on the second floor of that building and the and you know the, yeah. they both run out of of you know the ability to shoot one another so it becomes hand to hand and um you know they're biting each other they're kicking they're clawing and then you know where he uh the the german soldier then uh slowly you know he breaks down the strength of the American soldier and, and slowly pushes that K bar into his chest, you know, yeah. I mean, God, that's just like, that tore my guts out. And, and that's what you want. You know, I mean, that's what I would want. If I was shooting something, I would be like, you know, I'm not going to do this unless I'm able to, you know, tear somebody's guts out with it. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because people would say, some cultural cr critics or uh, speak out about violence in film or in entertainment would would kind of uh, maybe blanch at the description that you gave. But to me, the real 
danger is in uh, violence that is so antiseptic and without consequence and without feeling or or uh, impact that it just becomes it rolls off of people like it's a video game and that to me that's the that's the thing that people should worry about if they're going to talk about violence in film it's the violence where there's a real cost and an understanding of consequences of of brutality and uh, wow you're actually talking about consequences in 2020 hmm. <laughs> now with you let me ask you this what's a what are, what are some fight scenes that you remember in films or television that uh, as a fan kind of either stick out to you, either good or bad? Like I, I'm thinking of one, there's one TV show I, I've, I think you, have you ever heard of Star Trek? You know that show? Uh, that's the guy, that's the, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kurogi? No, no, it's the other one. Pierogi, Pierogi, Oberon Pierogi, something like that. Yeah, exactly, that's the one. Yeah, uh, yeah, the bearded guy. Pretty much, yeah. But uh, you know, Star Trek. I, I I love me some Star Trek. You know, I, I I'm I'm down with the Enterprise. You gifted uh, me one. Of, you gifted me one of my favorite things ever. Was that life size yes. of Captain Kirk, which I put up at my old house, and then when we moved, I had to I had to leave it there. I was very sad. Yeah, but I love that. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, now, um, well, I want it back. No, I'm just joking. Well, you'll have to buy the house. <laughs> uh, I love Star Trek, and uh, but man, those fight scenes. There's some <laughs> bad fight scenes. I just love it, though, man. You know, during the quarantine, I I did a an entire um, you know episode one rewatch of the original Star Trek. Oh, on Blu-ray? Did you watch it on Blu-ray? I uh, no, I watched it on um, I watched it on Netflix, but it was the ah. I believe it was the in, in, still the enhanced. Uh, you uh, can see every bit of makeup, every yeah, every painted yeah. wall. I just, <laughs> I just love it so much. Um, I love the colors. I love the it's just you know it, it's just uh, it reminds me of. Uh, <laughs> Of my childhood obviously but it also remind you know it makes me it's a more it was a more uh it was a simpler time jeff you know what i'm saying yeah sure so uh With two uh, green girls for every guy but yeah the fight scenes just great man you know like kirk running up the side of the wall what was that I mean, you know, when he when he pulled down the uh, the space dick the stalactite to use oh, yeah. the I mean, he, there's that great picture of him standing with the, I call it a space dick, Jeff. That's okay. Anyone else calls it a space dick. But, and it's uh, the guy who played Lurch from uh, Adam's Family. Ted Cassidy. Ted Cassidy. He was also the voice of the thing on the Fantastic Four cartoons. Oh. Yeah, random. I did not know that. Yeah. See, we're learning things here. I <laughs> But uh, those kicks, uh, like Shatner with those kicks and with those those karate chops on the shoulder blade that really don't do a single thing. Yeah, and then people just fall out. Yeah, I mean, like we like we were talking about, you know, somebody en ends up in a real street fight back in the 
you know, 60s, early 70s, and they go, oh, well, all I got to do is give them a little chop and they'll go down. Guess what? Doesn't work that way, my friend. Yeah, Starfleet set me up for a lot of failed after-school fights. I, I tried a lot of those uh, Starfleet moves. Right, not or, or the, the jacket, you know, the jacket pull down with the kick and then the flip. That's right. Um, you know, there's a, there's that one, there's that one, episode oh, is it the first episode i think it is with the salt the where the she's the you know yeah. the mccoy's the, mccoy's lady yeah yeah and where where uh, kirk does the serpentine run yeah oh my god it's just yeah. so glorious man so glorious it's easy to miss music tribute to star trek like duran duran you know that that's uh, they got their name from barbarella that's the bad guy in the movie Barbarella. Yeah, I just don't know, you know, Star Trek, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I watch those fight scenes and I just, I wince. It makes me sad, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you they know. Are they are special. They, they uh, they're on a tight schedule. So they only, they only can, you know, you, I guess I, you have to give them a little bit of credit for at least trying as, as best they could, you know, with the time they had and the yeah. schedule. I mean, what they were shooting 24 episodes and. Oh yeah. Like every day, I think almost, uh, yeah. you know, the funny thing too is a few years later, uh, well, right around the same time, actually it was the Batman TV series with Adam West, which, oh, yeah. which is, has really silly fighting uh, on purpose. But the funny thing is, is then they bring in Bruce Lee as Cato. He comes in one episode with the Green Hornet comes to Gotham. And then you got, so you got like, you got Adam West and, and Burt Ward throwing their <laughs> silly kind of, uh, right, right. you know. Rainbow punches. Not looking real strong. And then all of a sudden Bruce Lee comes in, and he's like, just taking care of business. And uh, you just know that Cato just could have kicked everybody's ass. He could have oh. taken off everybody, all, all the entire Batcave. Well, he knows karate. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So the, do you remember Bruce Lee versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Now that was an interesting screen fight. Yeah, was he still was he still Lou Alcindor at that time? I don't think so. He was already Kareem. I believe he was. I believe he was. Yeah. Uh, I just remember Bruce Lee kicking him in, going for the kneecaps. Well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, what else? What else is he going to do? Yeah. But but uh, it just goes to show that. You know, like I was talking about this the other day, you know, you see a guy, well, what's he, he's like seven foot tall too, isn't he? Oh, yeah. So you think, oh, a bigger man will easily, um, in a fight, beat the smaller man, but that's a, a complete misconception. Or, or the same with a, a somebody who's very muscular. You go, oh, this guy can kick anybody's butt because... He's so muscular, but it really has, it does, that's not what it comes down to, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It comes down to the ability to, you know, slip punches and throw punches and throw straight punches. And um, again, it's just, uh, you know, uh, it's just a misconception that's probably better um, done away with for the, for the sake of the viewing audience, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. The, uh, I, I always thought that the, the ability to win any fight, 
Well, the, the winner of any fight is determined by who's willing to do what the other person isn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of times uh, people aren't willing to throw a punch or take a punch and the person that is will win. It yeah. doesn't matter how big the other person is. You know, back when um, I was in college and wrestling, um, I guess I had been in a few, a couple fights in high school. <clears throat> Nothing too, too extreme. But when I got down, <clears throat> when I got down to uh, college, um, you know, and then you, you add in uh, alcohol and bars and, you know, uh, a more elite, shall I say, uh, individual when it comes to their skill, their skill set. I got into quite a few uh, fights in college because, you know, you go out with your wrestling buddies, (coughs) excuse me, and um, and there are fights, they get in fights, you know, and a lot of times the, the, uh, the smaller guys they like to get in fights with bigger guys because, um, you know, the, I don't know if you want to say the Napoleon complex or whatever, but, um, and, um, it's, uh, it's ugly. (laughs) I saw some, some ugly stuff and, uh, you know, wrestlers in particular, I mean, the UFC in and of itself is predominant, you know, the, the dominant guys, I would say, at least 80% of the time are the the wrestlers because they have the ability to get into your body. And then once they're into your body, um, they can, uh, you know, uh, work you pretty good. Yeah. It's like the short game in golf. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can hit the ball a mile, but if you're, you know, six putting your hose. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to you. Your last name, uh, always reminds me of John Wayne because of the movie McClintock. Uh, John Wayne, he could throw a haymaker, but uh, that was a different type of fighting style. But of the, uh, of the classic guys, was there, I always thought, I bet you uh, Kirk Douglas was a real athlete. I mean, he he could probably mix it up. Charlton Heston looks like he could throw a punch. I mean, the chin, it's all in the chin. It's all in the chin. Um, One of my favorite fights, and I think it really, um, it, it really exemplifies the fact that there are no rules in a fight is uh, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Nice. Uh, <laughs> when, when he, you know, the big, the biggest guy, right. you know, from the, from the, uh, what, what was the name of the, what was uh, the name of the, the hole in the wall gang, right? Yep. So it's like, hey, Butch, look, we're, uh, we want you out. And so you've got to fight your way out. And, uh, and they're like, okay, what are the rules? And he kicks him right in the crotch. And yeah. he goes, you know, what rules? Right. There Here's the no first rules. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so, it's so classic. Such a, such a great fight scene. And the choreography, you know, okay, we're done. Well, the greatest, the greatest fight scene uh, along those lines would be in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. When he encounters the swordman. Swordsman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that... That there's a lot of debate about that scene about where it came from you know Vic Armstrong is the stuntman uh and he was a stuntman for Harrison Ford for all of his films uh and he also was uh James Bond and Superman like so if one guy was Indiana Jones James Bond and Superman like okay you win and your last yeah, name's Armstrong right? like that's pretty good 
But he had a fun book he put out a few years ago in, in which he took credit for saying, hey guys, why don't we just do this? Um, Spielberg says that it was his idea and, and, uh, and Harrison Ford said, no, I, I was sick and I just wanted to go back to the trailer because I had dysentery. So, you know, uh, I've talked to all three of them. <laughs> they all Have you really? Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, oh, no, it's funny. I asked him on stage, actually, Harris, uh, in, in, uh, Spielberg. Uh, we did a screen at Raiders of the Lost Ark in downtown L.A. Um, for Hero Complex, the, the uh, blog I used to do for the L.A. Times. Um, yeah, I had interviewed, uh, interviewed Spielberg at uh, Comic-Con on stage. And there I said, hey, you know, there's nothing for the Raiders Lost Ark anniversary this year because Lucasfilm is busy with Empire Strikes Back anniversary. It's this real shame, you know, you should do something for the movie. And he's like, oh, like what? And, and this is backstage and he's like getting ready to leave. And I said, well, let's, uh, we'll, we'll get a copy of it. We'll show it in LA if you, you'll come. He goes, okay, I'll do it. Uh, just and an hour later, this is a Saturday at Comic-Con. I just interviewed him and Peter Jackson on stage for Tintin. And an hour later, Kathleen Kennedy calls my cell. Says, so Steven says, we're doing a screening with you for Raiders Lost Ark. What, uh, what's the venue and the date? And I'm like, I haven't even like, I haven't even. Right, right. It's, it's just, a, just an idea. And I'm like, well, we're still narrowing that down. Uh, <laughs> way to go. See, way to go. Way to yeah, go. You never say, I don't know. You say, well, yeah. we got some options. Yeah. And um, sure enough, you know, a month later, we did a free screening for 700 fans downtown LA said come see Raiders of the Lost Ark and Steven Spielberg on stage oh. and uh, I was so scared he wasn't going to show Eddie I thought for sure like things just don't happen like this you right. can't just right. people like that to do things like that you know and we weren't paying him he wasn't promoting anything uh, the studio wasn't involved um, and uh, about two hours before the event my cell phone rings and I answer it and they're like please hold for Steven I'm like oh shit. here comes the bow out this yeah. has got to be this has got to be, you know, I, I go, I didn't want to answer it. Like right. if he can't call, he, he has to show up. Right. Um, but he gets on the line and he says, Jeff. And I said, Steven. And he's like, quick question. Is it okay if Harrison comes? Oh. And I said, <laughs> no, yes, I think, I think we can find a chair. <laughs> of course you can bring Harrison Ford. So Harrison Ford comes oh, and backstage, uh, he agrees to come out as a surprise to people. So I say, guys, I got it. I know how I set this whole thing up. Um, so about 10 minutes into the interview, and this is on YouTube, uh, you can find it, but like 10 minutes into the interview, I say to Steven, Vic Armstrong, the stuntman, has a new book out claiming it was his idea to do the sword, swordman getting shot by Indiana Jones. Uh, uh, you've said it was your idea. So other people have said it was Harrison's. I'd just like to spell this once and for all today, Mr. Steven Spielberg. Whose idea was it? He goes, I'm glad you asked. It was mine. And then from the back of the venue, you hear, that's not how I remember it. And then Harrison Ford walks out. People, oh, dude. All out. Nerdgasm. Yeah. It was like nerdvana. Like the, the people screen. fell out. It was yeah. unbelievable. Ah, uh, really man. See, that kind of stuff. And that kind of stuff is magic, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and for you, I mean, talk about, you know, you putting a spring in your step because, you know, you kind of get to sit back and go, this is my life, man. Um, oh, I, I had a, I had a, um, a moment like that. Um, I, um, I was doing a show called Crumbs uh, with Fred Savage, uh, Bill Devane, Maggie Lawson, 
wow. and, and Jane Curtin. Good group. Jane, Jane Curtin, yeah, such a great group, man. Um, Jane Curtin played my mother. Okay. And um, God, Did you say Jane, I, you ignorant slut? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, maps, maps, maps. Um, uh, but uh, one day we were, and look, I, I was a huge SNL, you know, the, the original not ready for primetime players, you know, when so I was growing up, that was life for me. Yeah. Um, and so to have, to, for, to have, you know, I'm just some yokel hillbilly from Ohio now out in California working on a TV show and Jane Curtin is my mother. It was yeah, insane. That's awesome. So one day during lunch, we were all at lunch and, and uh, this was at the Universal lot. And I saw Garrett Morris was on the lot. Holy cow. And, and so I sprinted over to Jane's dressing room and I said, Jane, Garrett Morris is here. And she was like, Garrett? And I said, yeah, yeah, he's here on the lot. And she was like, oh, I haven't seen him in years. And, and she came out and we, I walked her over to where he was and they saw each other and they were hugging. And I was just standing there going, yes, yeah, like yeah. I, made this i facilitated yeah. that you know and i just was like it felt so good i mean just it was like a mirage you know this yeah. what was in front of me you know i mean i'm i'm from canton ohio i like what is this and, right. and now like they're standing in front of me i mean you know i got the i'm at universal the jaws thing is just over the hill and garrett morris and jane Curtin are embracing for the first time in years yeah. and 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 I kind of was a you're part the glue you're the glue that's yeah, holding together this cosmic I, moment I was the glue and uh you know it's just little moments like that and it you know you'll never forget your that all you know like you said, can can Harrison come I mean yeah you know, <laughs> yeah it's good amazing. for you man good for you that's why you're still in the business man yeah, it was a it was a special day. My son wore an Indiana Jones outfit, and I got a picture of him and Spielberg together. And my daughter had just done a school report on Spielberg. She brought the report with her to the event and said, "I got a B." And he took it. He looked at it. He goes, "You should have got an A." You tell her I said so. Nice. <laughs> it's like just all these like little precious moments. And looking out in the audience, and uh, I saw Simon Pegg in the audience, and Edgar Wright was in the audience, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, Jonah Nolan was in the audience just it's just a, it was a hoot uh, and it's a yeah. movie I love and and uh, it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done that and just like yours that moment would have slipped by so it's uh, it's nice to have those little postcards in our pocket of course I also have kind of an anti moment uh -oh. uh, uh, because of Jaws I mean you know I I would love to meet Steven Spielberg, but at the same time, I'm glad that I haven't because I can only imagine what an idiot that I would be or, or what stupid thing I would say. Nice. Um, that's a bad hat, Harry. That's a bad hat, Harry. Um, uh, I did a convention down in Dallas that Richard Dreyfus was going to be at. And I, you know, I mean, I saw Jaws in 1975 and it changed my life, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And um, so I was really excited about uh, seeing Richard Dreyfus and meeting Richard Dreyfus, but uh, it did not go well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind he's of, a tough one. He's, he's, I, he's, he's an odd bird. Oh my God, it's, it was so bad, Jeff. I, I mean, it's a long story, so I, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and I'll, I'll tell it quickly, as quickly as I can. But I mean, if a person, and, and because of this story, you know, when I meet someone at my table, when I do conventions and they come up to me and they seem nervous, and I mean, look, I'm Eddie McClintock. Yeah, I've, I've done a few things, but like for them to be nervous to meet me is like, I, I just say to them, darling, you could never say anything or do anything that would compare to what you did to what I did <laughs> with Richard Dreyfus. What did you say? What, was it political or something? Or? No, I don't talk politics. Yeah, I didn't know because he's so political. I feel like that. Um, I was sitting in the green room before the, um, you know, during the convention, it was pretty much empty. It right. was empty in the room, but I was sitting with one of the, my, my worker, right. You know, the person who, is attached is attached to me for the for the convention sure and i said um i go oh yeah i'm so excited to meet richard dreyfus um you know i had heard that he was having you know i had read it somewhere that he was having some dementia issues oh lord so I was talking to this person. I was like, yeah, I, you know, gosh, I saw, you know, and cause you know, my dad's wife and you know, we we're getting older and things are happening. It's, it's a terrible thing. And I just was like, man, I heard he's having some dementia issues. He's like, well, you know, I picked him up at the airport and you know, he seems okay. And I was like, Oh, that's good. I, that's good to hear. So I'm standing over at the craft service table, getting a carrot or something. And <laughs> ladies, sidles up to next to me and she goes you know i hear you talking about richard and uh it's not true it's a dementia it's just not true uh he just write book he just uh he directed play he's doing all very much things and you know you should not be starting the rumor like that is a rumor and it's a that's bad of you to do that and i was like oh no gosh i i'm i I was not meaning to start a rumor. I, I was concerned as much as one can be for someone they don't know. Um, but I'm a huge fan and I, I, that's all I, I wasn't. And she goes like, well, you should not be saying this stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, whatever lady. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden I hear from the court, somebody walks in and says, uh, Mrs. Dreyfus, Richard just, um, <laughs> showed up he'll be in and, and i was like oh, oh my god <laughs> oh my god so i go over to her and 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 I'm, you know completely apologetic yeah and um i go back over and now people are starting to come in and things are starting to happen saul saul rubinek is with me who was my okay. classmate on warehouse 13 sure. and i'm telling him this story and and it's very kind of typical of, of, of me. And Saul just is laughing at me. He's like, you asshole, you stupid, <laughs> stupid asshole. 
And I was like, I know, I can't. And then, so then Richard comes in and I'm all nervous. He's sitting over there and I was like, I really want to go over and say hello. And so I was like, what are you doing? Go over and say hello. What's the problem? He's a nice guy. I was like, all right, all right. So I go over and I'm like, hey, Mr. Dreyfus, my name's Eddie McClintock. I was on a show called Warehouse 13. And that's why I'm in this green room. And I just, I don't want to bother you. I came over to say hello. I'm such a huge fan. I saw Jaws and um, just changed my life. And But I'm just a big fan. And I'm like, I'm not a weird, like stalkery fan or anything like that i'm just kind of you know um you want to see my tattoo <laughs> the shark I, tattoo the famous shark tattoo i have a great white shark on my right shoulder so in a span of like 30 seconds i went from telling him i'm not a weird stalkery fan to, to proving it look at this great white <laughs> shark that i had pressed into my skin with needles and ink and uh he just kind of looked at me with this uh, horror. He looked like he was horrified. <laughs> I don't know if his wife had already, <clears throat> you know, clued him in. Anyway, I kept trying to redeem myself. Just take it deeper. Throughout the weekend. Oh. And it just got worse and worse. And to the point where the final, the coup de gras was, one of the workers said, hey, uh, Richard's down at his signing table. Do you want me to, to go have him sign some stuff for you? And my best friend in the world, who's been my best friend since the eighth grade, he and I used to watch, he ended up being my college roommate for a, a, a semester or two down at Wright State. And we would watch Jaws every night. Right. That's what we did. We'd go to the bars when we came home. We watch would Jaws. watch Jaws. Okay. Um, so I said, yeah, can you get two? And so I had, I had him. There's the quote from uh, um, that, that Hooper says. It's like one of the the lost lines of the movie and, it, and he turns to Brody and says, no kidding, want a pretzel on the boat when, when Brody is talking, he's drunk and he's talking about, you know, it's, it's only an island from the water and all that. And, um, and then for mine, I, I wrote, I want to be sure you want to be sure we all want to be sure. And um, when the pictures came back to me, Steve's was perfect to Steve no kidding, want a pretzel, Richard Dreyfus, And on mine, it was, I, I didn't know what it's, it was scratched out, it was like X through, and it was like, you couldn't tell what it said, and the whole picture was a mess, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get this opportunity again, you know, especially the way things are going. And so the, the my, my handler, I'm going to pin it on my handler. My handler was like, do you want me to go back and get and try and get another one? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> and, and so anyway, when the picture came back to me, it said, Eddie, I'm just too tired. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I didn't keep it because yeah. it just had too much negative mojo you know that's a sad story eddie 
Uh, I had a, I, I interviewed uh, Richard on stage at the uh, Laguna, or no, excuse me, at the Catalina Film Festival, and it was it was really difficult because he decided that all he really wanted to talk about was the uh, the ongoing national crisis about lack of uh, teaching civics courses uh, in public schools. Yeah, which is not the same as Jaws and Goodbye Girl. No, <laughs> it's a different conversation. So. Um, it was it was difficult. You know what? That's not the worst autograph story ever, though. I can I can give you one you that'll make it a little better very quickly. Um, it's it's a secondhand story. It's not mine, but uh, Don Henley of the Eagles uh, I've talked to him a few times, and and uh, one of the things that uh, he loved most was Pet Sounds, the album by the Beach Boys, and the yeah. and the production on that album and the harmonies were a big influence on him, and and along with. Uh, California Dream by the Mamas and Papas was a template for his vision of where his music would go with harmonies, although he would do a different, more sort of country rock sound. But he get a chance. He got a chance to, to to meet Brian Wilson, so he goes up to Brian Wilson and he tries to communicate these things to Brian Wilson. Now Brian Wilson, yeah, he's had a he's had a, a, a singular path through life, and it's left him with unique issues and he he meets the world uh with great creativity but also uh with a loose grip yeah the things that come to him come to him in different ways and it's kind of hard to talk to, to brian sometimes and right. and i think don ran to one of these moments so he comes up and he tries to explain to brian uh, how much he cares for his music and hands him pet sounds and a marker and brian takes it and says oh okay he writes don thanks for the great music best Brian Wilson. Perfect, wow. right? He right. starts to hand it to, to, to Don Henley and then he stops as if as if reflecting for a moment, processing and recalibrating and he takes it back, takes the marker and, and crosses out great and writes good. Thanks for the good music, <laughs> Brian Wilson. <laughs> and then he it back to him. <laughs> To his credit, to, to Don Henley's credit, not only does he tell the story to working journalists like myself, which is impressive because I, I might not let I might not sing that one out to the, the masses. Right, right. Um, not only that, but he had it framed and put above his desk in his office. Ah, well, it just we have the best-selling album of all time. Yeah, you, know, you, you can you can take a few lumps. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> hey, you know. At least he wasn't, you, you got to respect a man for his honesty, right? Totally, totally, absolutely. I asked Brian, I had a difficult interview with him once. I said, Brian, first question, Mr. Wilson, it's very nice to talk to you, sir. I've enjoyed your music since I've enjoyed music. Uh, it's, it's a real honor to talk to you. And uh, you know, one thing I want to ask you is when you guys were huge, uh, when you were first getting huge, the Beatles were first getting huge and, and um, I'm wondering, do you think you would have got the same kind of critical appraisal that the Beatles got if the Beach Boys' subject matter hadn't been as narrow? Because uh, songs about cars, songs about schools, songs about girls, songs about beaches. Right. Not like the Beatles, which went all over. So he, he you know, I asked that question. He thinks for a second and he goes, That's a good Jeff, question. Thanks. And he goes, Jeff, the sun is very warm. Of course it is. And I said, oh. Well, that was my best question, and that's it. Um, yeah. So for my next question, um, how are you? 
<laughs> like, I, I, I took it down a notch. <laughs> I was like, yes, start, you know, baby steps, baby steps. Yeah. So now on fighting. Yeah. I think, I think we've covered this pretty well, but you know, I, I, I got to tell you that I never would anticipate this, but I think that Keanu Reeves with the matrix and with John Wick, he's got, he's like, he's way up there on the list of like, best fight scenes and, and I never would have anticipated that. I never would have anticipated that Keanu Reeves, I mean, you think of a, somebody like a Chuck Norris or, uh, you know, or even Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme or maybe somebody like a Hugh Jackman or somebody that's just a very athletic and very powerful uh, actor. But I never would have guessed Keanu. And, and uh, but those two movies, those are just iconic. Uh, those two yeah, franchises. Yeah, yeah it, it's, um... Well, because you go back to Keanu's early days, of course, you know, Bill and Ted and uh, River's Edge, and, yeah. um, you know, and he kind of played that like, whoa. So yeah. you, you, you go, you, that's the thing about acting and actors, you know, they are not the people they, that, you know, they are not the characters they're portraying. Right. You know? And um, I mean, obviously Keanu has done, a ton of work in that yeah. regard. I mean, he's one of the, uh, I've seen his three gun videos. Yeah. Where he does pistol, rifle, shotgun. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I his gun work is top, top notch. I mean, yeah. he's got to be one of the best, you know, in I don't know if I'm going to say the world because I'm not exactly sure, but he's damn good. And I know, I know that even a lot of, uh, you know, uh, operators, people that are very, very familiar with guns and three gun pro three gun, uh, setup are like, wow, you know, yeah, he's, the, he's the real deal. That's amazing. And, uh, so I'm assuming that his, his, he's, he's studied, uh, the, the, the art of fighting as, as thoroughly as he has, uh, his, his son. I, 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 would, I wouldn't, uh, I would think that he would not be someone that you would want to, you know, uh, get into a fight with. Well, I've been trying, I've been trying every day to right. get in a fight with him, but he's, he's not taking the bait, but, uh, well, I'll find talk, out. Talk to his wife, uh, with his wife in the room about <laughs> him being, uh, in the onsets of early dementia and see what you can see if you can. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to take that advice. I'll think about that. But I think, and I was thinking now it's uh, Speed also. I mean, it's such a great action movie. Is uh, Keanu's kind of like, the, I mean, it's, it's not a secret that he's made these films. These are big, obviously hit films. Everybody knows John Wick now and everything, but it's just, uh, I don't think of him as an action star, but, but I really should because I mean, he, he clearly uh, has added that in addition to, uh, you know, my own private Idaho and, and, and uh, all the things that I think of when he first got on the scene. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, with uh, River Phoenix. Yeah, it's like, it's like Liam Neeson too, you know, the guy that started in Hannah, Hannah and her sisters and, and Schindler's List is now just a badass, you know, he's just yeah. taking names. It's funny when Keanu kind of went from, whoa, guy, to, to you know, like I, I, it always threw me because I'm like, what is? Because his his serious voice, yeah, his his hero voice seemed so manufactured to me. Especially Point Break. Yeah, you know, and also every, that name Johnny Utah. It's like no one's yeah, named Utah. That is, yeah, I, I mean, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Point Break. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and his um, 
his, uh, the way he enunciated, you know, I mean, it was all very, I guess he was really obviously trying to fight against his, his early, um, whoa, dude, um, yeah. thing. Right. Um, and it always kind of threw me. Me too. Um, yeah. um, but, uh, but, but then now that you watch John Wick, now that I watch, when I watch John Wick, I'm thinking like, okay, this must be a little closer to who he is, really. Yeah. You know, it's not as, it's not as pronounced as it was. Yeah. Because you know, he was trying to shake that mold, you know. Um, yeah. It's interesting and, to think of him because I mean, he's with that group, that generation. You know, I, I don't know that I think of them as a group, but I, I interviewed uh, Robert Downey Jr. about this once, and he he was saying that I said, who do you see as your peers? Who do you look to? And he goes, well, you know, Keanu, you know, uh, Johnny Depp, uh, Nicolas Cage, like he, he, those are the guys that he, right. he identified. And, and I don't know why I didn't think of it that way, but it, it's funny too, is he, they really do kind of keep an eye on each other. Like Downey said, that's why he's so excited about Iron Man. He's like, I want a Slurpee cup. Depp has got a Slurpee cup. How come I can't <laughs> have a Slurpee cup? I mean, Keanu's got a Slurpee cup. I don't have a Slurpee cup. I've never been on a Slurpee cup. You know, like it's just kind of an interesting, you know, the way that uh, uh, you judge yourself is by your peers and, and who you see as your peers and how you judge yourself. It's kind of intriguing, but. Uh, yeah, there's a nice, uh, probably a nice friendly little rivalry there, you know, yeah. everybody's, everybody's, you know, um, it's interesting when I first started as an actor you know, because I had come from this wrestling background. When I walked in the room, I I thought that it was about intimidate about intimidation. Because sports, okay. Um, because I had this. Uh, that's how I grew up. You know, okay. um, Eye of the Tiger. Uh, Eye of the Tiger. After being in the business for a while and seeing how difficult it is, and seeing how. Um, one minute you can be way up and the next minute you can be way down. And uh, I, I learned that, you know, I, I was just happy for them. I was happy for yeah. them to have made it into the room. That's you right, know, right. like, I just like, Hey man, if you, if you're able to, to, you know, deal with uh, this place, then God bless you. And if, if, uh, if yeah. I don't get it, then I hope you do. Yeah, exactly. so there was, there was a big, uh, it was a big shift for me. You know, yeah, once I, yeah. I kind of learned what was really going on, you know, and how hard it was, um, and you know, it was like it, 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 those rooms should almost be a therapy session. I've had therapy sessions in there with. Uh, I remember I was in a room with Jamie Kennedy. It was me, Jamie Kennedy, and a bunch. And we were just sitting there, just you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what having a therapy session about how hard it is and what it is and the auditions that we've been on. And then, you know, everybody goes in and when they come out, they look at it and they're like, well, I don't know. And yeah. then you just go, good luck, man. See you on the next one. Yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. So, it's like watching the NFL game. The fans will be fighting in the stands, but the players, as soon as the game's over, they're hugging each other. It's up there. They're not getting in fights over, you know, the jets and the, you know, but the fans are, you know, like, yeah. uh, it, I always thought that was so amusing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's more of a, com it's become more of a camaraderie um, than, than a competition. It's because you're all fighting the good fight. Yeah. 
See what I did there? That's a transition right back to the theme. Look at that. There you go. Fight See, club. That's, that's why you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, this has just been so much fun, man. Uh, the last thing I want to uh, ask you about is like, I think that the most intense fight scene ever uh, had to be the one between Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren in the Rocky Five, right? Rocky I, Five. I will break you. I will break you. Because... Oh, and I say that only because in talking to those two guys, um, I know the story behind the story, which is that at one point Dolph Lundgren punched Sylvester Stallone in the chest and stopped his heart by accident during the filming. And so Stallone was uh, air-vacked to the hospital. Wow, I did not set. know that. Yeah, yeah, Dolph punched him in the chest. Uh, you don't see a lot of chest punches. But, uh, uh, and also Dolph has got probably seven inches on him. So I don't know how right. he must have been punching down. Um, but it, he lit him up and um, it was a very serious and very scary time. Uh, and, you know, and Dolph actually, I could, uh, Stallone has a lot more fun with the story than Dolph does. Because I think Dolph was, it really freaked him out. Uh, the idea that he could have been the guy that uh, accidentally, you know, ended St Sylvester Stallone. But I, I'm going to give them props, uh, credit for the most intense fight scene, scene of all time because a helicopter trip to the hospital, you just win if you have yeah, that. That that'll that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, I I should I'm going to have to go back and look at that again. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, <clears throat> but I remember <clears throat> as a kid. Excuse me. I mean, was there anyone on screen ever before Dolph Lundgren? that you just looked at him and went, whoa, I, I, I had never seen a, a male specimen like that, you know, with the hair and the, the jaw and Chiseled, the chin yeah. and the shoulders. I mean, what a, what a, and, and, and then you find out that this guy is like a Mensa. Like I, yeah, I've talked to him. He's very, very bright. Uh, University of Stockholm engineering degree. Uh, right, very, right. Very sophisticated tastes and in recent, you know, he, a couple of years back, last time I talked to him, he was making films. He made a movie about uh, uh, sexual trafficking, like trying to uh, uh -huh. uh, kind of draw attention to you know that ongoing just terrible crisis in our our world. Uh, so he is a very thoughtful guy, and uh, it's interesting just to, to to think of all the people that have thrown a punch for Hollywood and how many people have taken them. Boy, uh, literally and uh, metaphorically. Yeah. So I think, uh, will you join us again sometime, Eddie? Jeff, Jeff, I, I love you, brother. And I would do this anytime, anytime you want. Well, it was an awful lot of fun. And thanks for, uh, thanks for the patience. I know we had some technical problems getting you on. We're just now starting to get the hang of it. And uh, it's, it's been a treat having you on it. Thank you, Jeff. And, you know, I mean, look, back when you were working for the Times, back uh -huh. when you were doing... Um, what, what was it called again? Hero uh, Complex. Hero Complex. Uh, and to have you ask me to be a part of that, that's kind of right when my career was, and, and I, it, it's something I won't ever forget, you know, and, uh, and uh, I love you for it. And um, you're, you're a top-notch guy. So anytime you want me to come back and hang, I'd love to be a part of it. That sounds good, man. We got to go to a concert sometime back when people uh, – when people get around to going back to concerts, we got to get one. Exactly. We'll do it. Right. I'd love to do it. Sounds Thank good. You. All right. All Take right. care, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
you know, Jeff, it was really funny to hear how you had told this great story about meeting Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg and how like the whole crowd just went nuts. And then immediately after Eddie's like, you know what, I'm going to one up you by telling you the worst interaction I've ever had with one of my heroes in my entire life. And that story was probably 15 minutes and just kept getting worse. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was epic. It, it's, uh, uh, you know, halfway through, I was thinking we're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great story. And I had a, I had a uh, interview with Richard Dreyfus at the, uh, you know, the um, Catalina Film Festival I mentioned. Um, and uh, it was just one of the hardest stage interviews I've ever had in my entire life because all he wanted to talk about was the lack of high school and middle school effective education or effective curriculum when it comes to civics. Well, I think that's what we all want to know about. I mean, I want to talk about the Goodbye Girl, uh, Mr. Holland's last op or Mr. Holland's Opus, Jaws, uh, you know, all these movies that he made through the years, and he just wanted to talk about civics. I'm sure the crowd was very entertained. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a free event and worth every cent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to have him on at some point to you know finish that his thoughts on that uh maybe we can get eddie back too it'll be fantastic oh man yeah that'd be fun to get a surprise a surprise <laughs> redemption for eddie i don't know if you'd love that or if you'd hate us forever but eddie probably never forgive us <laughs> so, but it was but, good uh, having them on uh yeah. and uh i learned a thing or two so that's always fun yeah and by the way we have one more surprise guest i, I don't know if i told you this what's that it is uh my neighbor who is currently sawing wood in his backyard um <laughs> You will be able to it's uh you know it, that's the wonderful thing about mind space is that uh the real world it intrudes a little bit but not enough to distract us from what's really important it's just like the the, the regular brain there's always intrusions that you know distract you but it will never take completely over exactly like they think they say that all of us only use about five percent of our mind space <laughs> yeah i use only about three i'm i'm kind of conservative about my mind space but anyways that was great. I, you know, we always want our guests to come back on and I'm sh sure he would love to come back on. So yeah, thank so. you, Eddie, for being another great guest. Absolutely. It's a, uh, he's a good guy and, uh, uh, an awful lot of fun. Yeah. Now, before we go, um, I know we have to do the essential shelf of the week and this week you've picked uh, a good fighting comic. Am I right? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. You know, um, uh, when it comes to uh, mixing it up and, and uh, having the skills to take people down, uh, if you think about the comics, there's a lot of people that would qualify. Uh, and the, but the one that popped into mind for this week's Essential Shelf uh, is one of the great Marvel villains, villains uh, Craven the Hunter. And in 1987, which is the year that yours truly graduated high school, yes, it's a long, long time ago, uh, is when the story hit, uh, hit the spinner rack and it's by uh, J.M. De Mateus and by Mike Zeck, the well-known Punisher artist. I, I always think of his Captain America as well. He, he did a lot of the brawny sort of uh, uh, brawler uh, superheroes. Um, but in this one, he is working on Spider-Man, who of course has a very different type of fighting, uh, you know, dynamic rhythm than, you know, say Captain America. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and then Craig the hunter who who is the the um, antagonist in the story it really is uh, the center in the center spotlight uh, with a story where he goes out of his way to to not just hunt down spider-man to not prove that he is better than spider-man but to also prove that he's better at being spider-man uh, he appropriates Peter Parker's alter ego and uh, New York will never be the same and uh, Spider-Man hopes to survive the experience. And so uh, it's a good one to hang on the wall like any trophy. Uh, I think if you go and check out uh, Craven's Last Hunt from Marvel Comics from J.M. DeMatteis and Mike Zeck, uh, you'd be doing yourself a favor and uh, I think it adds nicely to our shelf. Definitely. Now I have a couple questions. Um... You know, I don't really know much about Craven, and I'm curious as to if you think that he might be included in the future of Spider-Man films. Oh, I think we'll definitely see Craven. I think that you know, there's been talk of that uh, off and on, and uh, he is a uh, a character that's got a lot of uh, uh, appeal just because he he's a driven guy. Like you know, all the villains there, there really is worth they're the ones that have the initiative in the stories, especially in the Marvel universe. Nothing would get done if, uh, if it weren't for the villains, the superheroes just stand around and, and react usually. Mm -hmm. um, but Craven, he's a guy that goes after what he wants. And I think uh, he's not gonna be very high on PETA's list of favorite Marvel characters, uh, <laughs> but he's a guy who is hunted big game all over the world and now hunts the deadliest game of them all, which of course is humans and superhumans. Gotcha. Now, I, my first instinct would be to want to see Carl Urban as Craven, knowing little about him, but um, I'm not sure if off the top of your head you could think of another actor that might be able to take that character and do, you know, incredible and or amazing things with it. Yeah, boy, there's a bunch because, you know, you could take him in, in so many different directions. Uh, Carl Urban springs to mind. You know, because of his physicality, you know, I, I think of, uh, you know, and he really loves uh, sci-fi and, and, and genre stuff. I think Craven is, is, is a, elusive enough in people's minds, much like Mysterio. Um, he's not so locked in that you have to have someone that um, fits a particular set of characteristics. I think you could take him in a lot of different directions, uh, mm -hmm. the way he looks and the way that he does what he does. But uh, I think somebody like Carl Urban would be good, or, or you know, somebody older too. I was gonna say, um, what if, what if uh, we got Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson, yeah, yeah. You know, I, Mel would be good at it. Uh, he certainly, you know, with his, uh, he's associated with like the, uh, you know, uh, Australia, and even though he's born in New York, um, but uh, with movies like Gallipoli and, and Mad Max and Road Warrior, mm -hmm. you know, he has that physicality and, and uh, sort of man of war kind of, you know, uh, aura. Um, I think he'd be real good, yeah. I think he would be terrific. And then uh, the only other one that comes to mind based on a movie that has come out recently called Primal would be Nick Cage as Craven. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wonder. no, I think that's a good call too. Like, And you know, I think uh, Craven, if you wanted to take the character older, for instance, you know, I think somebody that would be really terrific is Stephen Lang, you know, uh, who uh, has been in so many great films and uh, is, is known to a lot of people for his role in Avatar and he's in the upcoming sequels as well. But he's got that sort of, I mean, it's a guy that looks like he knows how to use a Bowie knife. 
Uh, yeah. It looks like he he's ready to wrestle crocodiles and you know um, smack up a wildebeest. All the things that Craven does on an average Friday night. Yeah, he he uh, he. I, we've talked about him a little bit before, but I think I've said this before. But he plays or he has a bad guy face, and so yeah. anytime he's playing a bad guy, I'm already in because he's already he's already sold me. Yeah, he's got such a gravitas, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know you need that with a character like Craven. I think because uh, it's he's not got a lot of special effects. Um, you know, the costume is not that great, really. Um, so you need somebody that can kind of hold the center just with the sort of their intensity. Uh, I think he'd be great, um, and uh, you know I think it'd be a good character Definitely. to see on the big screen. Oh yeah, and I hope you're right. I hope we do get to see him on the big screen. There's so Spider-Man has such a great um, like list of bad guys that they could go through, and they've only even scratched the surface on that. So hopefully we get to see more and more as these movies come out. But um, yeah, so we'll definitely have our um, listeners check out Craven's Last Hunt, and unless there's anything else, Jeff, you know, I I thought it might be fun for us to do what we did last week and. Uh, kind of give a couple hints as to who our guest next week might be. Well, you know what, we, next week we have a good one. Uh, we're going back to the music world. You know, we've had some great music guests with, uh, you know, Bron from uh, Mastodon and Wayne from Flaming Lips and Suzanne Vega. And, and we're going to add to that list with a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame next time. Mm -hmm. Drum roll, please. Yes, a drum roll indeed. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, He's, he's usually pretty quick, so hopefully we won't have to hold the door open for him, but uh, that was lame. <laughs> nice. That was bad. That was bad. That's nice. I like it. I like it. Well, you know, you know, humor hinges on things like that, so. Nah, okay. You're quick with yours. Yeah, we got to lock this up. <laughs> Shut this down. Nice. Well, if anyone didn't know who it was after all of that, I'd be surprised, but we're looking forward to having him on next week, and uh, we look forward to having our listeners back here next week for another episode of Mindspace. Absolutely. Sounds good. Uh, and so to all those riders on the storm out there, we'll see you next time. <laughs> nice.